You're listening to the sermon podcast by First Christian Church in Wadsworth, Ohio. Our Eastertide series focuses on witness and wonder. We hope you find it meaningful. Good morning. Our scripture today is from Luke 24. Jesus appears to his disciples. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Today is the third Sunday of the Easter season, and we are continuing our sermon series on wonder and witness. Now last week, Pastor Shelby shared with you one of her favorite Easter traditions, which is those cascarones, or those confetti-filled Easter eggs. One of my favorite Easter traditions is Holy Humor Sunday, and I'm a little grumpy that this is two years in a row now that we've not been able to hold a proper Holy Humor Sunday during the season of Easter. So, in honor of that, I'm going to kick things off today with one of my favorite little jokes. It was Palm Sunday, but because of a sore throat, five-year-old Jacob had to stay home with a sitter. When the family returned home, they were carrying several palm branches. Jacob asked them what they were for. People held them over Jesus' head as he walked by, his father explained to him. Wouldn't you know it, Jacob whined. The one Sunday I don't go, and he shows up. So I can relate a little bit to Jacob's frustration. We read all of these accounts during Easter of Jesus showing up after his resurrection. And it can begin to feel like because we weren't there, we missed out on the best part of the party. And perhaps this is why I really appreciate Luke's account of Jesus's resurrection stories. In Luke's version of Jesus's death and resurrection, 
he focuses a lot on the disciples' confusion and struggle to come to grips with what has happened. Luke includes six different episodes of Jesus' resurrection. Today's passage is the next to last in the account. So let's set the stage. In scene one, Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, return from the empty tomb to tell the 11 that they have talked to these two men in dazzling robes who said that Jesus was risen. But it seemed like an idle tale to the disciples, and they didn't believe them. However, Peter did run to take a look at this empty tomb for himself and comes back home amazed. Now, Cleopas and another disciple encounter a man while they are walking on the road to Emmaus. And as this man talks to them about the scriptures concerning the Messiah, their hearts were burning within them. And then when they stopped to break bread in the evening, their eyes were opened and they recognized that it was Jesus who promptly vanishes from their sight. So they abort their trip and they rush back where the rest of their companions, the disciples, are hiding out together. And they arrive full of joyful excitement about their encounter with Jesus. They return to discover that the rest of the disciples are discussing how Jesus has appeared to Simon Peter. And this is where we find them at the start of today's passage, discussing among themselves all of these bewildering but hopeful accounts of Jesus sightings, when all of a sudden Jesus appears in their midst and says, peace be with you. As I said at the outset, what I really love about Luke's account is how relatable the reaction of the disciples is. It's like we're getting a play-by-play -play of their struggle to make sense of what is going on. Poof, Jesus just seems to appear out of nowhere. The disciples are honestly freaked out. Is it a ghost? What is happening? And Jesus says, why are you freaking out? It's really me. Here, touch me, see the scars on my hands and my feet. And the initial terror of the disciples is replaced by joy. But they still aren't really sure what to believe. They've got some hesitation and some confusion. So Jesus says, you got anything to eat around here? And he takes a bite of fish so they can see that he is really, truly himself in the flesh and not some kind of a ghost. Now, out of this whole dramatic scene, my favorite moment comes in verse 41, where the scriptures tell us that in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. It is this amazing moment that contains both joy and confusion, faith and wonder. 
that I want to spend some time reflecting on with you this morning. And I want to examine what this moment can teach us about how we make sense of Jesus' resurrection for ourselves. I think the first thing it teaches us is that Jesus meets us right where we are, in the midst of our questions. We should interpret Jesus' words and actions as an invitation to be honest about our doubts and our struggles. When you imagine Jesus' words speaking to the disciples, why are you frightened? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? We should hear this not as an accusation, but rather as Jesus welcoming us to take our questions directly to Jesus, who longs to reveal himself to us. The second important insight I think this offers us is a deeper understanding of the role of wonder in our life of faith. We're going to encounter this word wonder, or in Greek, phambus, a lot over the next several weeks because it comes up a lot in these post-resurrection stories of the early church. Wonder is one of those great words that contains depths of meaning. It signifies amazement and awe and astonishment, as well as pondering and contemplation. In fact, this one word, wonder, I think, perfectly sums up the key aspects of our life as followers of Jesus. Wonder combines what Anselm, the most prominent Christian theologian of the 11th century, referred to as faith-seeking understanding. Wonder is an active love of God seeking a deeper knowledge of God. When the scriptures tell us that in their joy, the disciples were disbelieving, but still wondering, we can relate, I think, to that state. And the next thing Jesus does for them, the scriptures tell us, is that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, I would argue that one of the best ways that we can approach the study of scripture is from a perspective of wonder. So, what exactly do I mean by that? Well, in order to explain what it means to read scripture through wonder, I kind of also need to explain what it is not. Because the truth is, what we get out of our reading of scripture has a whole lot to do with how we approach it. So if we approach scripture looking for moral teachings, we will take these stories and boil them down to helpful nuggets of wisdom that we can apply to our own life in the real world. Or if we approach scripture from a more dogmatic perspective, we will seek to determine what are the 
right answers, what we should think and believe, so that we can avoid the wrong ones. But if we approach scripture from a place of wonder, from a place of a love of God, seeking a deeper knowledge of God, we are much more likely to encounter the living Christ. In fact, I would argue that in these first two approaches to scripture, Jesus becomes somewhat unnecessary or superfluous in the effort. But in this last way of reading scripture, Jesus is at the very heart of the endeavor. It is an encounter with the living Christ that we seek through every word on the page. There is a reason that John refers to Jesus as the word. We are meant to interpret the words of scripture through the word, Jesus Christ, through his life and his death and his resurrection. And just like he sat down and opened the scriptures to his first disciples, so we too ought to appeal to Jesus to help us each time we sit down to read the Bible. If you're feeling disinterested in reading the Bible, and we've all been there, perhaps it has to do simply with the way that you've been approaching it. I encourage you to take another look through the eyes of wonder. There's a quote that describes what wonder is, and I think it does a beautiful job. It says, the nature of wonder is not a force that pushes us passively from behind. It is situated ahead of us, and it attracts us with irresistible force towards the object of our astonishment. It makes us advance toward it, filled with enchantment. This quote was actually written by a well-regarded scholar and author who specializes in the faith formation of children, Sophia Cavalletti. Dr. Cavalletti was a Hebrew scholar who helped develop the curriculum known as the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And it is deeply rooted in the Montessori method of instruction that aims to help children have a living encounter with the living God. As Maria Montessori correctly ascertained, children have an innate sense of spiritual curiosity and wonder. Therefore, the best place to begin spiritual formation and understanding is by exploring these wondering questions with children. Her methods were adapted by Jerome Berryman, who developed the program of a religious instruction for children known as Godly Play. In both programs, telling Bible stories to children, teachers are trained to engage their young listeners by asking a series of wondering questions. 
I wonder why Jesus appeared and said, peace be with you. I wonder why Jesus encouraged his disciples to touch his body. I wonder why Jesus ate a piece of fish. I wonder why Jesus spent time explaining the scriptures to his friends. Over the next few weeks of this Easter season, we will be examining the crucifixion and resurrection stories from our scriptures. And like the first disciples, we will be wrestling with how to make sense of them for ourselves. I want to invite you to re-examine these accounts from a place of wonder, of faith-seeking understanding. Take time during your week to read and contemplate on your own. Wonder requires unhurried time, time for solitude and silence. And it's something we can't really accomplish during worship. Now for me, as I've been studying these familiar passages again this year, what I have found most astonishing is the way that Jesus chose to respond to the lies and the violence that was waged against him. Perhaps it is because, like you, I have been so troubled by the recent events in our world that reveal the human capacity for violence and self-deception. And I've been wondering, genuinely questioning, why? Why would God submit to the forces of lies and violence on the cross? Why did Jesus not use the power and authority at his disposal to reveal the lies, to dominate and destroy and stop the violence? My wondering has led me to this, that Jesus saw what I often overlook, that behind all of this evil, and structural evil are human hearts, human minds, and human bodies who have been corrupted by the teachings of this world, who think that winning and power are the goal, and that domination at all costs is the means to achieving it. In his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus shows us a very different way. Not only does Jesus refuse to play by the rules of the system, you may recall at one point, Pilate tells Jesus that he has the power to save his life, that his life is in Pilate's hands, but Jesus responds with silence. So it's not only that Jesus refuses to play by the rules, but Jesus changes the rules completely. On the cross, in his death and resurrection, Jesus shows us that to lose is to win. 
and to die is to live. Jesus shows us that the only way to resist and overcome these forces in our world is with love and forgiveness. I like the way that Brother Sean Glenn of the Society of St. John the Evangelist put it. He wrote this. In the human body of the crucified Son, God has definitively removed the veil and shown the world what God's reign actually looks like. A giving away of self that answers the violence and self-centeredness of the world with forgiveness. A power made perfect in weakness, suffering the infliction of evil to disarm and swallow it up in an ever greater divine love. I believe that when we spend time in the presence of the crucified and risen Christ, when we gaze on his bodily wounds with wonder, we cannot help but be moved with compassion to go out and bear witness to what we have seen. There have actually been some fascinating studies conducted about the relationship between wonder and acts of compassion. In one experiment, researchers asked a group of university students on the campus of Berkeley to look at either a tall building, so to gaze up at a tall building, or to gaze up at a grove of towering eucalyptus trees for one minute. They found that students who studied the trees experienced more feelings of awe, a sense of wonder at being in the presence of something larger than oneself. Afterwards, when one of the experimenters pretended to accidentally drop a bunch of pens, the students who had seen the trees and felt awe helped pick up more pens than those who had looked at the building. If this encounter with nature led these individuals to a greater sense of wonder, of well-being, of humility and compassion, just think what can come out of our encounter with the living Christ that we experience when we read the scriptures. The more time we spend learning about the life and teachings of Jesus, the greater our amazement and joy, the more sincere our repentance the more complete our sense of forgiveness and freedom. I'd like to leave you with one final quote, again from Sofia Cavalletti. Wonder does not drive us to activism, 
but draws us into activity, to an activity we do as persons immersed in the contemplation of something that exceeds us. Maybe the particularity of wonder is that we find activity and contemplation inseparably blended within it. Thanks be to God. Thanks for checking out our podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us online at fccwadsworth.org. There you can find our blog with sermon transcripts and more, as well as information about our church, including our beliefs and history, links to worship and give, and our many ministries with folks of all ages. We hope you'll also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You are welcome here. Thank you.